So my next guest here on Grassroots Marketing on CannabisRadio.com, uh, our company actually was featured during our 2021 MJ Biz coverage, and we talked to their CEO. And if you didn't know, the company we're talking about is the Cannabis Farm of the Future, an engine for several of California's leading brands. And there's been a lot that's happened in the last couple of years. So uh, with that said, we talked to Jesus Barola at the time. He was just still CEO. But now today we're taking to the chief revenue officer, Max Rudston, at Possible. Thanks for joining us, Max. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So now when I went and talked to Jesus before, at that point, there were over 1 million units of package product to date. Two years later, it's now over 2 million units. <laughs> so <laughs> definite uh, definite uh, production all across. You're uh, responsible for directly influencing the future possible and leading larger commercial strategy around contracted brand partnerships and the house of brands that possible has in their assortment and growth. So for the most part, if I remember with Jesus, you know, it was all about, there was a lot with, with various companies working with, and, you know, when it came to the growth of the company to a multi-billion dollar company now, and working with all these different brands, Talk to me about what has happened since we last heard from Possible last two years in terms of the growth and being able to go ahead and double that workload and working with more brands out there to get together with Possible and make things possible. For sure. Well, I think, you know, one thing that that definitely kind of influenced, um, at least um, in terms of just the diversification of, of how we go out and, and find revenue in business was just kind of the chaotic market dynamics. Um, you know, we built this business to be a, a large B2B engine. And during the, the the larger downturn, you know, call it three or four of our largest B2B clients went out of business. Um, so that meant we had to create channels where we had more control of our own destiny, right? Um, and that's really where, you know, the House of Brands concept um, was born. Um, and Umo, which is kind of the, the leading brand within that portfolio, um, was also born. Um, and Umo, you know, is California's award-winning, you know, Mexican-American-owned craft cannabis brand. Um, and it was one of these kind of perfect moments for Possible because there really wasn't a brand like that that existed in California that was catering to, um, you know, such a great demographic within California. Um, you know, in the business itself, if possible is, you know, call it 98, 99%, um, you know, Mexican owned. So um, for, for them, it was a, a perfect opportunity both to, you know, create something that was really authentic, uh, but also create something that, you know, we had more control over in a market that was, you know, very kind of dynamic and volatile. And one thing you make mention of with Humo, uh, which is based in Salinas, California, is the fact that you were with uh, possible and the greenhouse system you have that you were able to help preserve rare genetics and you had what you did with Rahumo's Reserva de la Familia line is that you refined in-house breeder selection to help deliver potent, flavorful, and visually stunning expertly grown flower. So what is it about that, that possible to do that was really genuine and unique with Humo to help them preserve, preserve the rare, rare genetics, really get the most out of the plant. Yeah, big a big part of I think success of any cultivator is their access to um, really wonderful genetics. And you know, our grow team, our operations team, they come from from agriculture, right? So they're used to growing um, things at scale. 
um, in the in the world of cannabis, you know, a lot of these genetics maybe aren't meant for scale. So there's a lot of R and D, a lot of trial, uh, trial and error, right, around how to go find the perfect genetics for our environment. Um, you know, I come from cannabis. You know, I've been in the industry, call it from since you know since 2013, 14. Um, so I have a, a pretty you know robust Rolodex of of incredible breeders um, within the space um, that really love working with us because we know how to scale genetics um, and we know how to do so in a way that gets data back to the breeders um, so that they can can do you know a good job. So for us, um, you know, we really want to pay homage to those breeders. They're essentially like the artisans of our industry. They're the ones who create. Um, the flavors, they're the tastemakers, and really, we're really the ones who try to bring that um, to commercial scale. And you know, Umo uh, as a channel was was perfect to start trialing out, you know, some of these more maybe exclusive, limited genetics that haven't really necessarily hit the prime time from a scalability or commercial standpoint. Um, but we do, you know, push them through our R and D program, and we're able to get, you know, some wonderful flower. Um, and basically just kind of test it through the Umo's Reserva de la, la Familia line because it's kind of like our, our head stash. It's what we're excited about. It's what we're really um, kind of investing our time and energy into. So um, for, for us, it's, it's, been a, it's a, been a great partnership to, to be able to kind of tap into this breeder community because it's a really trusted relationship. And it has to be they're kind of giving, um, giving us the keys to, to their art. And we're, we're meant to go make sure that it's it's brought to market in, in the most you know beautiful way possible. So now prior to coming into the possible, you made mention of your background and what you did specifically in working, especially in the medical uh, medical side of the cannabis cultivation, uh, when it came to understanding land acquisition management, the development, and also being able to go ahead and just understand growing or being able to use the land for right purposes, whether it was cannabis or if it were spirits. Now, and you've done this quite a bit, as you said, for just about a decade since the start of the cannabis legal market in California. Uh, talking about just really, about, you know, that you were able to come in with all the knowledge and the background you had in the California market already. What was it about that possible was the right connection for you to go ahead and incorporate that into the relationships you already had. Yeah, for sure. I mean, back in the old kind of prop 215 medical days in California, um, if you were in the industry um, of cannabis, you really own the entire supply chain. You grew it. Uh, you know, if you were putting a branded market, you were packing it, um, you were selling it, you were distributing it, you you were doing really everything from soups to nut. You were kind of quote unquote like fully vertical in the in that world, right? Um, so, you know, by nature, you're learning really every facet of that kind of wild west supply chain. Um, you know, when legal, um, cannabis came into play in 2018, um, I helped found, um, a distribution and technology business. So I got very in tune with, with, with brand and how brands move through the, to the state of California, what brands do to, to be successful, what brands do to be, you know, not successful, um, so that was a really kind of like holistic education, um, kind of helping build that business. But for me, you know, joining possible was, was really me kind of getting back to the roots, right. And getting to the, the front of the supply chain where I think a lot of the creativity is born. Um, and for me, you know, being at this link in the supply chain, I'm able to see the plants, you know, from seed all the way to, you know, consumer packaged good. And, um, I feel like that's where I am best, 
um, best utilized and able to navigate. Um, I think given a the uh, the experience I've had kind of being in a vertical cannabis supply chain in, in the old medical days, and then you know working through distribution and, and really seeing um, all the different brands in the in the in the space and how they've been successful. And I can imagine one of the things with California most recently, you know, there was the the entrance of Tropical Storm Hillary a couple of weeks ago, which I imagine must have taken effect for those that were outdoor grows. And obviously, you know, they've always had, there's always been an issue with the kind of drought conditions. I mean, now you have a lot of rainfall that finally comes into Lake Mead and other areas that are finally going to help with the irrigation and help really in the cultivation process for outdoor. But it's such a, it's such a runaround. And it's not anything that can be always really consistent, which is why it's important to understand where in the last few years, possible has had the smart greenhouse system that is able to again require less water per pound of flour create the best in class climate climate control and offering three more times energy efficiency than indoor growers. So the thing is with all that here with those in California and they see what's going on with, you know, you never know what the climate's going to bring, but what you've been able to do to buy people into the smart greenhouses and get them into get the right genetics, get the right flowers grown and get the most out of those flowers. Talk to me about that. You know, when you look at if, when you see weather conditions like that, if that just creates more of a priority for some companies over there in California, have the phones gotten off the hook and rung a little bit more because of what possible can do? Yeah, I mean, in, traditionally, there's been basically like three buckets of of cultivation style, right? There's been the outdoor kind of long season growing methods, which tend to get the lowest value in the market, which, you know, I hope changes because I've enjoyed outdoor cannabis for much of my, you know, call it consumption career. Um, and, and some of the best flower ever grown is, is outdoor. Right. And then there's kind of this greenhouse segment, um, right. Where a lot of, you know, cultivators get lumped into, and then there's traditionally been obviously indoor. Um, and those are the grows that, you know, you meant to hide in a warehouse, you know, somewhere in the old days, right. Which use a ton of energy, um, but a lot more kind of climate control. What we're doing here at Possible is is mixed light cultivation. So we're leveraging um, not only the sun, which is the most powerful light bulb in the sky, but we're also leveraging um, indoor intensity LED lights for when that sun maybe isn't as strong. So um, especially in the winter months, right, where there's less sun, um, the climate is a little bit tougher to grow you know, we lean more heavily into our, you know, mixed light technology to produce, you know, really high quality flower all year round. And for brands, um, some of the most important, you know, aspects of being a successful brand is consistency um, for your consumers, consistency for your buyers. So it, so it possible, you know, we believe mixed light is the future of cultivation um, because you're going to get um, consistent harvest all year round. You're going to get the full expression of the plant by leveraging the sun. And then obviously when there isn't as much sun, you can lean into the light um, to continue to produce cannabis. So um, that to us is, is where you're going to get the highest quality for the fairest value. So that's really where we're investing a lot of our resources and time and energy into continuing to optimize kind of that, that, that process. And so let's go ahead and bring things back together for possible again, possibleproject.com, P O S I B L project.com. And if you go there, you can look at the services and the work all is provided. Uh, and real quickly for those that go to the website and you know, who you're able to go and work with, uh, 
take a minute to go and talk to our listeners about what they should be learning about a possible project and what you're able to do, the stories you've already kind of shared with us more or less from a general view. And hopefully this gets enough interest for, for people to go and say, you know what, we want to go and work with possible. Let's learn more about what they go to the website for and what they can learn about how they can get their themselves involved. For sure. I mean, we built this engine to power, um, power teams that really want to focus on, on brand, right? It's really, really challenging in the state of California to go, you know, find a permit, you know, stand up a large scale cultivation, um, and grow weed. It's, it's not an easy prospect. So for us, we really wanted to create this platform by which, you know, brand teams can come to us, work with us on a genetic plan, work with us on a SKU lineup to basically bring, um, products to market. Um, so, you know, we do everything from, you know, harvest scheduling, you know, production, um, co-packing, um, distribution, um, really supply chain consultation and how to be most efficient when working through um, the state of California. Um, really, you name it, we kind of try to be a, a supply chain partner that really helps simplify and scale, um, you know, an idea from maybe uh, an idea to actual product and, 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 and revenue. So that's really where we step in. Also want to make a shot mention of that now you're working with Lucid Green. You had a partnership with them uh, back in May to implement their smart QR codes. We talked to Paul Botto and uh, the team at Lucid Green a while back, and that's across 14 brand partnerships, which is really great. Also, um, be able to go ahead and implement the utility and scalability of the their tech scat uh, stack, excuse me, and to create the efficiencies across the supply chain, really more almost as very important as a compliance measure. Uh, what can you tell me about that part in terms of, you know, going through standard operating procedure and adding, you know, these QR codes into the mix to further make sure that everything's documented and everything is in, un, uh, above compliance? Yeah, I mean, Lucid Lucid Green has been a great partner, and I, you know, I've been following them since um, since their you know impetus early on. I forget when the when they actually got off the ground, but um, it, it, it's a powerful tool for us, especially for for goods that we're tracking right all the way through the supply chain. Um, and for us, you know, there's a ton of um, kind of utility around, you know, the, the, the management of inventory, you know, through different links of the supply chain. Um, it's also very helpful on the retail level. You're seeing a lot of retailers adopt Lucid Green um, as kind of an intake um, technology. And some retailers are even like requiring that you have Lucid ID um, QR codes if you want to be sold into store. So it's actually becoming um, pretty important um, in the in the context of the industry. Um, but, you know, one thing that we haven't leveraged as much that we're actually starting to leverage more is like, um, consumer, um, a royalty or a reward programs, right? So you can actually create some, some marketing, um, strategy behind the Lucid ID, uh, Lucid ID, uh, tech to really, um, you know, have consumers say, you know, scan your QR code on a bag, you know, maybe leave a review and then get, you know, reward points. So, um, we actually still have a lot, uh, to do with Lucid ID, um, despite, you know, having a, a very successful partnership to date. Fantastic. We're going to leave it there again. Happy to going to have on, uh, again, I'm here with Max Rudston, chief revenue officer of possible website is possibleproject.com, P O S I B L project.com. Max, thanks for being on. Thank you so much.